Well, good morning, Martha Bowman. It is so good to be with you in worship today. As I'm sure you can see and tell, I am not at the church. I am actually here in my kitchen. Uh, as you probably have heard by now, Mark and I both tested positive for COVID on Tuesday. And so we have been quarantining here at the house. But I do want to thank each and every one of you uh, who have sent us a text, uh, a phone call. You have left food on our doorstep, sent, sent a Facebook message uh, just telling us that you love us and that you're praying for us. Thank you so much for that. It's at times like this that it just becomes so real how important it is to be a part of a community, to have these human connections uh, where we are loved and seen and cared for. And so thank you so much for making that, that truth real for us and, and loving Mark and I so well uh, this week. It has been a true gift. So we are continuing our sermon series. Uh, the title of it is Kaleidoscope. What do you see when the picture changes? And to kick us off today, I just want to ask you a question. Um, think with me, if you will, for a moment. Uh, just imagine that maybe you and I are on a walk together, or maybe we've gone out to get coffee or something. And I, and I ask you this question, and I, here's the question is, who is someone that God has used to help grow your faith? Who is someone that upon, you know, you think about your life journey, you think about your spiritual journey, your faith story, uh, what have been kind of those pivotal moments when God really uh, brought you into a new and a different place? Maybe your faith was challenged. Maybe you grew. Maybe there was a time of returning to faith. Uh, maybe a time when you were struggling. And but, but who were those people along your journey that God used to grow and impact your faith? If you and I were having that conversation and, and you asked me that question, I, I would probably respond by saying first, well, do you want the three-minute version? Do you want the 30-minute version? Or do you have a weekend? Uh, because as I think about my story, there are just so many people who have helped, that God has used to grow my faith, to strengthen my faith, to help me in my journey with Christ. But two, two stories come to mind that I'll share with you just, just to kind of kick us off here. The first is uh, when I was a freshman in college, I was involved in an organization called Campus Crusade for Christ. And the summer between my freshman and sophomore year, I participated in what's called a summer beach project. Now, what this looked like is that college students from around the nation uh, signed up to be a part of this particular beach project. We were in Panama City Beach. But basically, uh, for the summer, we, this me and this group of college students, we, we lived in Panama City at the Diplomat Hotel, got jobs, uh, did beach evangelism and things like that. And uh, it was just a great summer. Now, you would think that if I talked about that summer and kind of what was the most impactful for me, it might have been the Bible studies or it might have been going out on the beach and sharing my faith, uh, walking up to complete strangers and, and trying to talk to them. Yep, I was that person. Uh, I did that. Um, but that you would say maybe that was what really shaped your faith. But really the most uh, impactful thing of that summer was the couple uh, that served as the directors of the project, that mission project. And I remember that summer just watching them. Uh, maybe I don't think I just like stared at them, but really just watching them, maybe when they thought no one was looking. And I and I would notice the way the husband would, would smile at his wife or maybe the way she would just reach over and pat his hand or, 
or maybe how when they were just kind of off by themselves and, and not on stage and not in front of everybody, but, but maybe they just would laugh. And as I watched them, I thought, oh, you know, that's the kind of marriage I want to have one day. Um, and, it, and it really shaped me watching them because I remember when I got back to school that fall, I, it impacted who I went out with. It impacted who I didn't go out with. It even impacted the kind of person that I wanted to become because I knew that if I was to marry someone like the director of that project, uh, the Summer Beach Project, that I needed to be the kind of person maybe that his wife was so that someone like that would want to marry me, if that makes sense. So so their modeling uh, of their marriage has been more impactful to me than any book or every any kind of lecture or any workshop that I've ever gone to on marriage. You know, I think about even in the last few years as I was going through the ordination process, the conference assigns you a mentor, someone to walk along this process and this journey with you, and they assign someone who is, is further along, uh, who's been in ministry for a while, a sounding board. I remember one day, uh, one night, actually, uh, our, our the cohort, those of us who were uh, in the process of becoming ordained, we had had a retreat at Epworth-by-the-Sea, and we were driving back from that retreat. And, and I remember uh, it was my mentor and I in the car, and, it, you know, the sun had set, and it was getting kind of dark. And, and just in that moment, I began to open up and share with her uh, some of the hard places that I was experiencing in ministry and some of the things, the challenges. And I just remember that conversation and, and the, the good questions that she asked me, kind of the good advice that she gave me. And as we talked, I could just feel, I could feel it, I could feel my, just my heart lifting. I could feel kind of where I had been weighted down, but it just, I felt lighter and I felt like, oh, I kind of, I've got some direction here. I, I, I feel like I, I'm, I'm not going to throw the towel in. I'm not going to give up, but I, I have new hope and new energy. I think about the people that God uses along our, our path and on our journey to grow our faith. And I'm reminded of a quote by Andy Stanley, and I love how he phrases it. He said that God uses relationships to impact and to grow our faith for Him. God uses relationships to impact and grow our faith for Him. Our relationships are these powerful things that God is willing to, to shape and to build and to grow our faith. And yet what is so crazy is that right now in this time of social distancing, and I mean, we're living it right now. Uh, Mark and I have not seen any other human beings uh, since Sunday. And uh, basically the only people we have seen, well, one was the person that stuck the little nasal swab up my nose to test me for COVID. And the other is, you know, through the glass in my front door, waving at people as they're dropping things off on our doorstep. But in this time of social distancing, when our relationship relationships and our human connections can almost even be dangerous, uh, can be life-threatening, can impact our health. What, what a crazy time to be alive. Our picture has shifted and it has changed. But what do we see? Today, we are looking at Jesus's ministry. And I want to just draw your attention, if you will. The passage that we are looking at, it comes from Matthew 4. 
four. And and if you are looking in your Bible there in verse 12, kind of this is the beginning of the passage that we're going to be looking at. It begins with this, and it says, the ministry of Jesus begins. And, and one of the things that I, I want us to kind of frame this as we are looking at Jesus's ministry in this passage here and how he begins it, how he launches it, I want us to take notice of how incredibly important relationships are to how he goes about doing ministry, the focus of his ministry, and and also the how how he calls us to uh, care for others and to care for ourselves, and how that kind of looks different, maybe from the way uh, things were done in the Old Testament. So with this, let's begin. I invite you to open your Bibles to Matthew 4, verse 12, and we're just going to work through uh, 12 through 23 here in our Bibles today. The passage begins, when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, now John was Jesus's cousin, and uh, he has been arrested, and he has, it says, when John, when Jesus, I'm sorry, when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he left Judea, and he returned to Galilee. He left Judea, and he returned to Galilee. And then he goes up to Capernaum, which is beside the Sea of Galilee. Now, now, what is the, what is the significance of this. And I think one of the things that is so significant, uh, Judea, if you will, this is where Jerusalem was located. Jerusalem was, in that day, it, it was the center of everything. It was where the temple was located. It was, if you will, kind of like the, the capital, like Washington, D.C. is for us. Uh, it was the, the kind of the largest city like this. If you were going to have a metropolitan area, it would have, this would have been it back in the day. Uh, think of Atlanta, if you will. But it was where the locus of, of ministry was. When we look at the Old Testament and we talk and we look at like how people worshiped God, um, the whole focus was on the temple being the location and the place where people experienced God, where they went to worship through the sacrifices and all, all the things, all of the, the festivals that they would have. But Jesus, when he is embarking on his ministry, when his ministry is beginning, he leaves Jerusalem and he goes basically to Galilee. I mean, you could say this is like, he kind of went to middle Georgia. He went to some of our more rural areas. And it says that he first went uh, to Nazareth and then he moved up to Capernaum. And he begins to preach, repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. So first we see him not in the city. We see him going up to the Galilean area. We, we hear that his message is repent of your sins, turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And, and what we see, uh, uh, scholars would say, and those who, who look at this, that this is really a summary of all of Jesus's teachings right here. And Matthew, 
in the rest of his gospel, he unpacks what this message was. As we look at how Jesus taught and the things that he talked about, I mean, I think about the Sermon on the Mount. Um, What are some of the things that, that Jesus talked about? He told us that we are to forgive our enemies. He he talked about the dangers of, of, a, of an unbridled anger. He talks about not lusting. He talks about being generous with your wealth and with your finances. And, and his whole focus, his whole ministry, even when he was asked, you know, what is the greatest commandment? He said, it's to love God and to love people. His focus was not on the temple worship in Jerusalem, but his focus and his message was on how we love God and how we care for people. Incredibly relational. The next thing that we see, and this is in verse 18, it says that as Jesus, one day as he's walking along the Sea of Galilee, along the shore there, he sees two brothers, Simon also called Peter and Andrew, throwing a net into the water for they fish for a living. And Jesus called out to them and said, come and follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. And they leave their nets at once and they follow him. Now, as you read the other Gospels, you realize that this was not the first time that they had ever seen Jesus. This was not the first time that they had ever heard of him. This was not the first time that they had ever heard him teach. They were aware of who he was. But in this moment, Jesus connects with them. Jesus engages in a conversation with them. And he says, come and follow me. And it's into this this pivotal relationship, this God-ordained relationship. Next, Jesus walks a little further down, and he sees two other brothers, James and John. They're sitting in a boat with their father Zebedee, and, and the idea is, these, these guys would have all known each other. They they were in the same business, if you will. The Sea of Galilee is not very very large there, plus they're, they're right there on the shore in Capernaum. And so he says that they, they're sitting there with their father, and he called to them, too, and he says, you know, come and follow me. And immediately they followed him, leaving their boat and their father behind. I think the significance of this, when we think about how God uses relationships to impact our faith, to grow our faith, to challenge our faith, we see it right here that one of the first things that Jesus did is he begins to connect with people on a relational level. I imagine that if Peter and James and John and Andrew, if you were to ask them the question, you know, tell us about your faith story. Tell us about your faith journey. What would they tell us? They wouldn't tell us about necessarily a book they read or a lecture they attended or they would tell us about a relationship, about the day that a man walked up to them and said, come and follow me. The other thing that we see here is how important it was and and the high value that Jesus placed on community, on human connection, on relationships. And what you see Jesus doing is that if he is going to basically help the world understand that he is Messiah, that he is uh, the Lamb of God, all these promises from the Old Testament that he is fulfilling here. But but what he does is he builds community. He builds a, a cohort 
cohort, if you will. He builds a tribe of people uh, to pour his life into, and they're pouring their lives into one another. As we go through the New Testament, uh, the Apostle Paul and the, and the earliest disciples in the book of Acts, they, they really take a page out of Jesus's book. It says in the book of Acts, as they were forming this new community of faith, that they gathered in the temple to hear the teaching. So that, that was important. But then they gathered from house to house to, bake, to break bread, to connect, to be in relationship with folks who could see your face, who could know if you're having a good day, know if you're having a hard day. And if you were sick, they would bring food and leave it on your doorstep, just like you've done for Mark and me. As we move into uh, what we call the Pauline letters, and we look at Paul's ministry there in the Mediterranean basin as he was establishing these churches, um, I think one of the things that is so interesting to me is that you see him writing letters and you see his apostolic ministry. But here's what Paul did was that in Corinth, in Philippi, in Ephesus, what did he do? He gathered people together, connecting them in these communities of faith in these these uh, relational ministry. It wasn't just about going to Jerusalem, going to the temple to offer, sac- offer sacrifices, but it, it was about uh, being a part of each other's lives. He talks about how we are the body of Christ. As we look throughout the church age, one of the things that, that I've heard over and over so many times is that the genius of John Wesley's ministry uh, Ministry And John Wesley was the founder of the, the Methodist movement, uh, kind of where our, our faith story as, as United Methodists originates. But the, the genius of his ministry was not the 52 sermons that he published. Um, and those are an interesting read. They're a little laborious at times. But, but the genius was not necessarily the sermons that he preached. The genius was how he gathered people into these small, uh, connections of human relationships, calling them bands and societies. And as I think about, you know, today, here we are in 2020, we know that the very thing that we need is human connection, but it looks so different uh, right now as we are thinking about how do we do this in the midst of a, a global pandemic and quarantine. Liz Hammock and I and Mark we sat down a couple of weeks ago and we were mapping out and planning uh, some things that we wanted to do in the fall. And, and we kind of hit a little bit of a roadblock as we were sitting there talking. And here's the reason. And it's because normally in the fall, this is when we kick off all of our connect groups. This is the time when we know that you have been at the beach or many of you have been at the beach or you've been on vacation or you've been visiting family and, and you've been scattered throughout the summer. And it's been good. I mean, it's been a wonderful thing. But uh, we know that a lot of our our Bible studies and a lot of our small groups, they disband for the summer. And so the fall is kind of that time when we try to do this big push to to pull everybody back together to say, hey, the summer's been great, but now let's get back with our our tribe, with our community, with our connect group. And and we try to think of things to help launch that. So it might be that we say, "Let's let's get a marriage class going 
going or let's get a parenting class going or let's and we try to start thinking of ways to gather people back together because we understand as Jesus did how important these human relationships are in our in our growth in our 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 spiritual faith journey these god-given relationships they're critical and so as we thought about it and we said what what can we do and one of the things that we said we said well maybe maybe this fall you know it's just not safe maybe we just don't do a big fall push this year we don't do connect groups but as we sat back and we thought about it, the thing that I know is how important it is for us to have these human connections. I'm reading a book um, by a former Surgeon General, and the, and the title of it is Together. And in this book, just kind of to make this point, it's like it's something that I knew in my heart, but he kind of shows the scientific proof behind it. But in this book, uh, former Surgeon General, and he is writing about the, uh, the, the danger of loneliness. And and he writes that it is as much of an epidemic that is affecting our physical health as things like diabetes and heart disease and all these other ailments that that affect our our longevity. Um, And he says that there is a growing number of research papers that report that loneliness, that lack of human connection, that lack of relationship, that it's associated with a greater risk of coronary heart disease disease, high blood pressure, stroke, dementia, and the list goes on and on and on. One of the things um, that Dr. Murthy points out is the power of faith communities to create spaces for people to connect and to care for one another and others. And so we know this to be true. So as we thought about how can we do this in a way that is safe, So we started looking at Jesus. What did Jesus do? All right, I'm going to read just a few things to, to you from the book of Matthew. And I want you to think about what is the common denominator in each one of these um, statements, if you will. So these are examples from Jesus's ministry found in the book of Matthew. Jesus is calling his disciples as he is walking along the Sea of Galilee. He preaches a sermon, but it's on a grassy hill beside the Sea of Galilee. He heals a man as he is walking down from the mountainside. He heals two demon-possessed men who are living in a cemetery. He's walking along the way and he sees a tax collector's booth. And there he calls Matthew. He is walking through a grain field. And in that moment, he begins to teach his disciples about faith. He sits by a lake. He gets in a boat and he begins to teach. He feeds 5,000 as they sit on a grassy hill. What is in common with all of these things? It's that they're outside. They're outdoors. And so as we thought about this, we said, let's take a page out of Jesus's book. Could we create and kind of launch this fall instead of, you know, encouraging people to gather inside the church, sitting in a circle, reading our Bibles together? What if we launched connect groups that were centered around activities that are outside? 
So on our website, if you go to the Martha Bowman website and there, if you click on one of the tabs that says connect, you will see a list of connect groups that we are kicking off this fall to try to give people these opportunities to be in relationship with other people. Uh, and so we've got, we've got a kayaking group. We've got a walking group. We've got a water aerobics group. We've got a golfing group. And the big idea behind these things is to create these spaces. Uh, as, as this, as I, the Surgeon General talked about communities of faith, they create these spaces for human connection where we can connect, where we can do an activity, but then do a devotional together, pray for one another. Uh, we can care for one another, a place where we can be missional as Jesus was to invite others to be a part places where pe- activities that people are doing already, but Hey, come and be a part. And it might be even a safe way for those who may never walk inside the doors of a church, but who might join you if it's more activity based. As we go into the fall, here's the thing that I know is that we're in the middle of a global pandemic. Nobody knows it better than me right here in this moment as my husband is, you know, still running fever, uh, still has spent most of the day in bed. um, And we're praying, you know, for I know he'll he'll have a, a complete recovery. But I, in the midst of this global pandemic, know how incredibly important our relationships and our connections are. I'm grateful for technology, but technology is always meant not to be our destination, but a link to those personal relationships. As you think about the fall, I just want to leave you with a couple of thoughts, and it's this. You know, the stories that I showed you at the beginning, the, the couple from my freshman year of college, um, the, the clergy person who was my mentor as I was going through the ordination process, God used them to shape and to grow my faith. And, and you have stories like that. I know you do. But we have to put ourselves in places to develop those relationships so God can use those relationships. You know, I can't ordain who is and isn't going to impact my life. I can't ordain, you know, who who I'm going to impact. I mean, that's, that's a little up to the Lord. But I can be intentional about putting myself in places and positions where I am developing those relationships. I think the other thing that that I want to challenge us in and just kind of prompt us to think about, too, is who are those people that God wants to use you to impact and to grow their faith? Um, I think it it's important to think about who we are. I think about that couple that impacted my life so much when I was a freshman in college. And the thing that was the most, I, I think that the reason that God was able to use them is because who they were when they were standing up and teaching us the Bible and uh, doing all the, the things that program directors do, they were the same people uh, on the stage as they were behind the curtain. Who are we becoming so that God might use our story and our journey to shape the faith of someone that he is wanting to draw closer to himself? 
Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we love you so much. We are so incredibly grateful uh, for how you use our relationships with others to grow our faith. How you use those, and it's and it's and they're pivotal. They're providential. Oh, Father, in the midst of a global pandemic, when when being near one another can can also be dangerous, uh, help us to find those wise ways, those safe ways, those healthy ways to be in community with others. In Jesus' name, amen.